When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Breathe in for luck. Welcome to the second episode of Jamie All Over. This might be the second episode to you, but this is actually the third for me because I am now recording this a second time. I am such a perfectionist and the last recording for this episode was done in my car and I thought the acoustics would be pretty good. And the reason I had to do it in my car was just because I actually have studios where I live, but every time I go to use them, they're being occupied by students that tend to stay the entire day. There's no oversight, no one to say like, okay, your time is up, no sign in sheet, nothing. So every time that I've actually gone to use these studios, that would make a great podcasting space because I wouldn't obviously have my barking dogs there. They're always in use. And so I was like, you know what? I want to get it done. I will just do it from my car. And it wasn't bad, but there was just this staticky, weird sound picking up like, you know, street noises and stuff. So I'm doing it a second time and I am exhausted. My brain is not totally functioning the way it should be right now. I'm on East Coast time at the moment, so it's almost midnight. I don't even know if we'll have time to edit this episode. So hopefully we could just get it in one take and I don't say anything that I think it needs to come out. That's a scream. <laughs> If you heard that and that might just stay in here, that would typically be something I would have edited out, but I am at my brother's house. He lives um, in the suburbs outside of Philly. I've been traveling since I woke up at 5 a.m. Our flight was at 7.45 a.m. And I'm here, but I'm exhausted because I've been traveling with two dogs for the first time ever. And I have to say they weren't that bad on the plane, a little whimper here and there, but the worst part about it was carrying them through all the, you know, the airports and actually had a, I didn't have a nonstop because I wanted to fly from Orange County to Philly and there's no nonstop. So we had to stop in Phoenix. 
So even just like getting the two dogs off the plane and then on the new one and running to like make it to the next terminal before our flight left, it was just, they were so heavy. I think I need to put my dog on one of the dogs, Harley. She is probably like, I don't know. I thought she was 12 pounds, but she felt so much heavier than that. I, I kept stopping. I was on, you know, those runways where you can stand or walk. And so I was walking for the most part, but at one point I'm like, I was just so exhausted to stop and put the dogs down. And then this whole group of airline attendants or pilots, they, they definitely worked for the airline came up behind me and they were so mad at me. They were like, stay to the right. If you're not, if you're not walking, we've got to get through. And like, they're pushing their way through me and ugh, it was just a nightmare. But anyway, we got here safely and I'm happy to be here. My brother's house is insane. He has been working on this house for years now. He's always been into gadgets and he's always like, even from a child, like when he was a kid, he would reverse engineer his toys to see how they would operate. And he's just always been into those, those types of things and just very, very smart and can pretty much figure out how anything works or put anything together or hack anything. So he's just giving us a tour of his house and all the renovations he's done to it. His master bath is insane. He put a TV behind the mirror and they can he can watch TV from his freestanding tub and then he can control his shower. It's voice activated and he's he's just showing me all of that. And I was just like, you're crazy. <laughs> and then he has like secret compartments in the walls and stuff. And just I don't know. I feel like I'm in like is it James Bond or Mission Impossible, like one of their houses, if they were to have an actual residential home with all these like secret little compartments and stuff, but I'm happy to be here. I want to go to bed very, very soon, but I definitely wanted to make sure that I got a good sounding episode out for my second one, especially with the first one. I was not crazy about how congested I was on that. I'm feeling much better. And I was so shocked at the reviews, at the making the charts. I can't believe it. I don't understand it. I was just completely shocked. We made the charts in the US. It was number 27, number 16 in Canada. And then we hit a couple other countries, Germany, Great Britain, Sweden. My favorite part about all of that is now that I can see the analytics, I can see who's watching from where, age groups. And it was interesting to see the top cities. And the number one city was not one that I ever would have suspected. I would have thought maybe New York or L.A., but it was Denver. So what's up, Denver? That's awesome. Number two was New York. Three was L.A. And then I think it went San Diego, Seattle, Atlanta. So that was cool. Then I could also see what kind of music you guys are listening to, which I want to know this. And it checks out for sure. So the number one artist was Taylor Swift. Brett would be really, really happy about that. But the number two artist was Fallout Boy. And I was like, this makes perfect sense. I These are my people. So again, I'm blown away. And I thank you so much. Shocked AF. I don't know how it happened. Also last week, I discussed the possibility that I would get sued from the band May Day Parade for my podcast title being the name of one of their songs. But I'm just joking. I really don't think they can sue me for that. But contact has been made. There was an exchanging of words between me and May Day Parade, more specifically with Derek Sanders, the lead singer. And 
he uh it's all good guys we keep the name he's fine with it he's not going to sue me and in fact he is gracious enough to come on as a guest so i wanted to get him on this episode but he's traveling and he had a show so we're going to schedule it for maybe a couple of weeks from now He's based in Florida and I actually have to go to Florida. I am on the board of a nonprofit animal sanctuary there called Little Bear. And I have been planning to visit so I can make the rounds in Florida and maybe schedule a couple interviews with people who are down there. And he's one of them. So that will be upcoming. If you have any questions for him, an emo icon, send them on in. Oh, my God. Speaking of emo icons, today is National Emo Day. <laughs> I never knew this existed until I started seeing it like pop up on my feed. I was like, whoa, today's my holiday. This is awesome. And it got me thinking back in November, I had gone to Nashville to go see Dashboard Confessional because unfortunately their whole tour kind of got canceled and I was planning to see them in LA. And when I found out it was canceled, but the Nashville show was still happening, I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to go to that. And I've somehow... <laughs> become friends with several members, you know, in that band and who work for the band. And they're the nicest people in the entire world. I wouldn't have thought any less. Dashboard has been my favorite band for almost 20 years, since 2004. So it's kind of surreal to me, but I was able to go to that show and the person sitting in front of me, I was majorly fangirling and it was Mikey fucking way. Yeah. If you don't know who that is, I mean, you probably all know who that is. But if you don't, if, if some of you don't know who that is, he's in My Chemical Romance. His brother is the lead singer, Gerard Way. And I've always thought Mikey was just so awesome. I think he's such an, a legend. And I wanted to say something to him so bad. He was there with his wife. And I follow his wife on Instagram. She's always giving these amazing music recommendations. I found so many good songs through her. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just like tell her, like, you know, I know her through Instagram and introduce myself, but I chickened out because I'm like, he must get just bombarded all the time. So I wanted to let them enjoy the dashboard show in peace. So I didn't say anything, but it was, it was just like being that close to him. I was just being such a fangirl. And then afterwards, there was an after party and the drummer from dashboard, his name is Chris. He puts on an event in Orlando where he lives called Emo Social. And he does that every Thursday night at a place called Sly Fox. It's a really fun time. It's kind of like an alternative version of an emo night. And so he brought that to Nashville for the after party. So we were at that, closed it down. So awesome. I even DJed for a little bit. And then my hotel was very close to there. And I don't know if, if any of you saw on social media, but I posted a photo of the lobby. It's this hotel is called Urban Cowboy. It's like a boutique hotel in East Nashville. It looks like it's been like renovated or converted old Victorian home. And I think they only have eight hotel rooms in there. And so when I had first checked in earlier in the day, you walk through this really quaint lobby, which looks like it used to be somebody's living room. And then you go into a wine bar and you check in in the wine bar and you can get wine or whatever. When you check in, they gave me like a bottle of champagne, which unfortunately went unopened. So I checked in that way. And then I, I you go through the wine bar up the stairs into my room. So now it's 3 a.m. and I'm coming back to the place. And because it's a boutique hotel, nobody was working <laughs> at 3 a.m. It was completely closed. Front door is locked. There's a code to get in. So I was able to get into the lobby. And then I'm like, 
oh no, that that door through the wine bar was locked. And obviously like it should be because otherwise anyone would just go down there and grab whatever they wanted. But I was like, oh my God, I can't get in. So now I'm in this lobby and there's two doors, one on the left, one on the right. The one on the left says that it's to a hotel room, so to not enter. And then the one on the right was locked and I was trying to use my hotel room key. It didn't open. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I am the only guest that has gotten back here at 3 a.m. And they never realized that this would be a problem. And I just thought I was locked out. Fortunately, the band had rented an Airbnb for people who didn't live in Nashville. So I was able to stay there. (laughs) Next morning, I go back to get my bags and they were so apologetic which is weird because it wasn't their fault. It was my fault. And I realized this after I grabbed my bags from my room and I come downstairs and I go out a different door and then I turn around and I was like, I just went through the wall. So that wall in the lobby that I thought was a wall is actually like a hidden door. It's like a door built into this wood wall. And that's how I was supposed to get into my room. So I guess I'm the only idiot it's not me that I'm, you know, getting back there the latest and it's, and I was locked out. No, I was just an idiot. And I didn't realize that there, I was staring at a door because I thought it was a wall. But anyway, I posted that photo on Instagram and nobody knew either. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't feel that bad, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But it was a fun time in Nashville. It was a great show. It was at the Ryman Theater, which I had never been there. Everyone was saying, oh, that's an amazing, iconic venue. And it truly was. It was really, really beautiful. So I got a couple voicemails from listeners with questions. So I figured since I don't have a guest this week, this would be a perfect time to answer them. And the reason I don't have a guest this week, mind you, is I had one on Thursday. Today is now Sunday. But on Thursday, I canceled her. I was like, you know what? My voice is still not 100%. I don't want to put out a second episode not sounding so great. I need a couple more days to feel a little bit better. So I'll just do a solo this week. Little did I know, solo episodes are kind of awkward. I'm sitting in a room by myself, but (laughs) talking to myself. I feel like the more I do these, though, the more natural they'll probably feel. So fingers crossed on that. But let's just answer some questions and see where it goes. So the first one is from Melanie. Hi, Jamie. It's Melanie from BC, Canada. Just wanted to say hi and so happy that you are doing a new podcast. Um, I think I speak for so many of us. We've all missed you since you have no longer been over on Shenanigans, but it's very refreshing to hear your new podcast. My question is, since you are quite a successful woman and you have done quite well for yourself with all of your different ventures that you have invested in and are a part of, what was your start? Where did you grow from? Where did you come from? What was your initial investment that got you into this um, whirlwind that you're in now that is just so wonderful? Oh, thanks, Melanie, for your question. She's my emo sister. She's in British Columbia, Canada. And anytime I post anything emo, she always gets it. Slight tangent, but a lot of times I'll post things ironically and I'll get responses from people like, cheer up. It'll be better. It's okay. Things will get better. Don't worry. And I'm like, oh my God, no, I'm just, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm just being ironically emo. (laughs) But she always gets it. So to answer your question, I mean, that's a really, really long answer, but I think what I will do is I'll answer the first business I ever got into and then the one I'm in now. And the whole middle is like 10 years worth of things, mostly around real estate, 
which could be a completely separate episode. So the first business I ever got into, it was kind of accidentally. And it was just, I was a personal trainer in New York City. And I, it's actually a pretty interesting story. (laughs) I'm like, how long do I want this episode to be? But I initially went to work for Equinox because I thought that was the best gym in the city. And I wanted to work for the best. And I remember being in a sales meeting and they were training us and they were like, our only competition is Sports Club LA. And they basically admitted that Sports Club LA was a better fitness club than Equinox. And I was like, wait, I thought I was working for the best. I want to work for the best. So at that point I had it in my head. I'm like, okay, I want to go work for Sports Club LA. And despite the name, they have locations in New York City. They may have originated in LA, but they moved all over. I don't even know if they're in existence anymore. But let me think if their motto was, because I did end up working for them. It was, we are the finest sports and fitness facility in the entire world dedicated to enhancing our members' lives safely. I think that's it. But anyway, the way that I switched from Equinox to Sports Club LA, I, I was living in Westchester, New York with my boyfriend, Rob, at the time. And in the middle of the night, we feel this hot water splashing on our face and a pipe had burst in the wall of our apartment. And I think we we're on like the 17th floor. I think it was like Memorial Day weekend. It was a weekend in which, you know, the office was closed and the water was just gushing out to the point where like all of our furniture was ruined. There was over a foot of water in the bedroom. And so they ended up moving us up one flight. I guess the apartment above us was vacant. So they moved us up and they were amazing about it. I think they replaced all of our furniture as well. But in the process of having to move apartments through, you know, just going up the elevator, we met our neighbor, Henry, and I was carrying something and he was like, oh, would you like some help? And I'm like, yes, thank you. And we got talking. He's like, so what do you do? I told him I'm a personal trainer. And he said, oh, I am too. I work at Sports Club LA. And I was like, I want to work for Sports Club LA. He's like, well, I'm a master trainer there and there's only one person above me. I can refer you. I can get set you up with an interview. I was like, yes, please, please do that. I start working for Sports Club LA. And they put us through this amazing sales training program. One of the books that they recommended we read was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And you hear that title and you're like, um, is that like a manipulative type book? Why does somebody need to learn how to make friends? And why are, are you influencing people? Are you manipulating them? But it's not. If I were to recommend any book to anybody, that's definitely on the top five. It's amazing. It's by Dale Carnegie. It helped me in sales tremendously. And the reason why I'm even going into such detail with the start of my career as a personal trainer, these weren't even my businesses yet. Obviously, I was an employee, but this is what set the foundation for me being able to go off on my own is just understanding sales and understanding people. And, you know, the basis of this book is whatever you're doing, you have to do it in sincerity. It's not about manipulating people. He uses an example in the book with why do we like dogs so much? Because we get home and they run up to us and they're excited to see us and they just give us so much love. They like us, so we like them. (laughs) Or love is probably the more appropriate word, you know? And it's like, we like people who like us. And I realized like, you know what? In a sincere way, there's so much to learn from so many other people. You sit me at a dinner party with anybody and I'm asking them questions. Everyone has something to offer or to share. I think people appreciate when you take interest in them. But again, it has to be sincere. So anyway, I just, you know, I I learned so much just from that book in sales. 
And then also, you know, with their sales training, they were more into the, what they call a soft sell as opposed to a hard sell. Like if you think of like, you know, a car dealer or something, and my dad was a car dealer, so there's definitely good ones out there, but that type of sales technique is what people would think of like as a hard sell. So they were more into the soft sell. And all of these things that I've learned formed such a good foundation for me to go off on my own. At Sports Club LA, it was, it was such an amazing experience. Like Derek Jeter was coming in and Michael Jordan, when he was in town, would come in and like, it was just an awesome time. And so Henry, the person who got me the job there, I found out like he was off training these people on the side and he had his own side hustle going on. And that kind of sparked a, a light And I was just like, oh, I could do that too. So then I just started putting up signs like where I lived looking for clients and it grew tremendously. But what grew my business to the point where I was able to leave working for the club and just have my own thing going on was a like another chance thing, which was I was taking my grandmother, my grandmother had skin cancer and I was taking her to her doctor, the surgeon who was removing it and Dr. Rotoda in Hackensack, New Jersey. And um, he and I just, you know, formed a, a friendship. He was just like, oh, it's nice that you always take your grandma to the doctor and stuff. What do you do? And I was like, I'm a personal trainer. He's like, oh, I have a lot of patients that come in here. They want liposuction. They need to lose 10 pounds before I can safely operate on them. Can I refer them to you? I was like, absolutely. So now I realize, like I had this niche where other trainers weren't at the time, I guess, thinking like, and if you're a trainer now, you should use this where you connect with plastic surgeons when they're in this situation because they need to refer their clients or their patients. And if a patient's doctor is referring someone to you, they're going to use you. That's instant trust. And I also trained him. So he knew I was good. He knew that I knew what I was doing. So that just grew my business exponentially. I was training all of these housewives in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, some of the real housewives of New, of New Jersey, in fact. And this was before that was even a show, but that was my business. And it got to the point where I had to start hiring people to work for me because it kept growing. Oh, on top of that, another way that I got clientele was I was writing for magazines, like lifestyle, luxury magazines in New York City, in Bergen County, New Jersey. And I would just write articles on whatever the editor wanted me to in exchange for advertising. And there's something about, again, like people being able, it's like built in trust. If they're reading an article that they enjoy from you and then they see, oh, plus she's she has her own business. Here's her number. This is her contact information. She's a trainer. It just, for whatever reason, that's what worked. So it's just kind of like thinking outside the box, I guess, with how you can gain business and clients. So definitely if there's anything you could take from that or learn from that, have at it. And please always feel free to ask me questions. But anyway, it got to the point where I had 12 trainers working for me and I loved health and fitness. I got into it because I wanted to make people healthier. I wanted to help their lives be better, but I found it starting to become more of a superficial thing. You know, my clients all looked perfect and I wasn't making them healthier. I was just keeping them looking perfect. And so that was one of the times in my life where I'm like, okay, it's time to make a change. I'm not happy. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm contributing in the way that I want to. And so I'm going to now fast forward (laughs) probably 10 years to California, because like I said, we'll talk about the whole real estate thing another time. I want to fast forward to Sugar Taco because that was another crossroads in my life where I'm at right now. And it's, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And it took me 
very long to get here. So if there's another thing you can learn from this, it's don't make my mistakes. Don't spend 10 years in an industry where you feel like you're not contributing. The way the sugar taco happened, it's a very easy explanation and story, which is basically I DM'd them. I said I was interested in investing and I invested. But there's so much more to that story, you know, and it, it all started with me being in real estate and realizing I was at a crossroads and I was not happy. Same like I realized when I stopped personal training and I was, I was like, you know what, I'm not contributing. I need to be doing my passion. I need to be doing something that makes me happy. And one day I was on my way to cryotherapy, which is you basically get in a tank and you get frozen for two minutes. It's supposed to boost your metabolism, help with inflammation. It's great for your skin. So I was trying it out. It wasn't for me. I like the benefits, but I hate the cold. So it totally wasn't for me. But I was on a cryotherapy kick at one point a couple of years ago and I was feeling a little down and I was like, you know, I'm not going to drive. I'm going to walk. Anytime I walk, I get revelations like you don't even know. I've started quite a few businesses from going on walks and having them come to me. Anytime someone says they don't know what to do about a problem, I say, just get outside, go for a walk. I don't recommend listening to music. This is what I did on this particular walk. But if music helps you to be creative or podcast, do that too. But there's something really magical with just moving and having fresh air. It changes the chemistry in your brain or something where you get solutions that you that wouldn't come to you if you were just laying in your bed. But anyway, I did this. So I'm like, I'm just going to walk to cryotherapy. I'm not going to listen to music. I'm just going to see what happens, see what comes to me. So I go to my session and then I'm walking back home and I hear this music blasting from behind me. And I got mad for a second because I thought it was a jogger who was going to run up from behind me. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I hate it when I'm walking and a jogger just comes up right behind me with no warning or whatsoever, especially if it's a man. I hate to be sexist if that's sexist, but as a woman, to me, it's just scary. You feel like someone is just approaching you in an aggressive way and you don't know if you're going to be attacked or not. I was actually talking to a male friend about this years ago and he's like, yeah, when I jog and there's a woman walking alone, I will cross the street. I will never run up behind her. And when he said that, I was like, yeah, I wish people kind of realized that. But I understand some people think, no, I don't need to alter what I'm doing because you're scared of something that I'm not going to do to you. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> that's just my take on it. But that's what I thought was happening in this situation. And I got mad for a second. And then I turn around and I see this man in a wheelchair, in an electric wheelchair. And he just had like a little boom box on his lap. And I caught myself and I was just like, I'm such a jerk. I can't believe I got mad. I thought someone was running up behind me. And here this person is in a wheelchair. And I was really upset with myself that I even had that thought or that assumption. And so we're now walking together on the sidewalk. So I start conversation with him. He had a Knicks bumper sticker on his wheelchair. So we were talking about New York and the Knicks. He happened to be from New York. His name is Waid. And he explained to me that he has a nonprofit called Ability on the Move. And what they do is they raise funds for disabled people who need equipment like electric wheelchairs, but insurance won't pay for it. And he had mentioned that he had a fundraiser coming up and he had a speaker, David Meltzer, was speaking at this event. I said, I don't know who that is, but I'm happy to support. Give me the information. I'll definitely get some tickets to the event. And so in preparation for this, I was looking up who's David Meltzer. What am I going to be hearing? And I was blown away. I was like, wow, this person's really accomplished. I'm actually excited to hear his talk. Turned out David, and if you know who he is, he has a podcast called The Playbook. He was on Shenanigans, I think twice we had him on. But anyway, at this point, I didn't know who he was. 
And so I look it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, the movie Jerry Maguire was based off this guy. And he was a CEO for Samsung and invented the world's first smartphone. And he made $100 million. But wait, he lost $100 million? But wait, he's wealthy again. <laughs> so there was just so so many like interesting layers to his story. Um, he's written quite a few books. And he also himself had a sports marketing agency called Sports One Marketing. I think he still does. He's now making a couple TV shows. He's just an amazing business person, but an amazing humanitarian as well. He's a very, very good friend of mine now. But at the time, I didn't know who he was. And so getting connected to him through Waid and just this chance meeting on the street one day when I set my intention to do that for something to come and change my life, I asked for it and it, it came in the way of, of my friend Waid. So through Dave, connected with him and uh, he invited me to uh, one of his Friday meetings. Every week he would do a meeting at, at his Sports One marketing offices for his employees and interns. And he invited me to come down he gives out books for free. He answers questions. He gives out, you know, motivational speeches. It's really amazing. It was in one of these meetings that he had said his motto, which was make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. And it clicked for me. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not helping enough people or I'm not helping in general, whether it's people or animals or whatever. I'm not helping or the planet, whatever it may be. And that's when it clicked to me. And so I told him that in the meeting and we discussed, you know, some next steps for me, which, you know, I told him, like, I'm just not happy in real estate. And so he's like, look, find out, find what you want to be doing. Ask whoever's doing it for help. And this is what I explain to everybody who asks me. I pass on his knowledge, you know, because it's like the people who succeeded to get where they were, they had so many teachers before them and they know the struggle that it took to get them there. But chances are, if they're very successful, they're also very grateful. You don't get anywhere far without having gratitude. It's like the miracle. It really is. You know, I, I go to bed at night saying thank you. I wake up in the morning saying thank you. Again, something I learned from Dave. Anyway, getting <laughs> such a long-winded version to get to Sugar Taco, but I really kind of want you guys to understand the foundation and like my mindset before I even reached out to them. You know, all of these little things had to be in play for that to even happen. So one day I'm scrolling Instagram and I was following Sugar Taco as a vegan. Sorry, I'm jumping around. But prior to even the Sugar Taco thing with Dave saying I'm help people and that's when I got into animal rights and activism and I went from being vegetarian all my life. I switched to being vegan through my animal rights work, I understood that I was being a hypocrite by only being a vegetarian and started to understand how horrible the dairy industry is and how it's maybe more torturous to the animals than even, you know, the factory farming for the meat is. I really researched it and understood what was happening. And I said, okay, I can't be a hypocrite. I'm going vegan. I started helping a ton of like animal organizations. I started going to supporting like a lot of rescues. And uh, one of them is called Animal Hope and Wellness in Sherman Oaks. And they had this gala. Tickets were kind of pricey, but I was like, I want to go because it's going to support them. And I want to kind of be in the same room with some of these people and hear what they have to say. And I ended up bringing my friend Mindy, who works at TomTom. Tom. She's a bartender over there. If you ever stop in, say hi to Mindy. She's a boss over there. She's the best bartender. <laughs> so we go to this gala and all these amazing people are speaking. One of them was Alicia Silverstone. And I'm sure you know her from the movie Clueless, but she's also an amazing animal rights activist. She has a company called My Kind, 
does vegan vitamins and stuff like that, organic health supplements. She's just been an amazing voice for the whole movement. And I remember I was filming her speech and I even have it on my Instagram right now. And just being in that room with all of those like-minded people, it really kind of lifted me, like lifted my aspirations for myself. And I'm like, this is what I aspire to be. This is what I aspire to do. And just being surrounded by, by that, by greatness almost, it really lifts you up as well. It allows you the ability to see that you can do that. If they're doing it, you could do it. So it's putting myself in these situations and being around the people that this is what I want to do. I started to understand that. So then comes the day, the fateful day where I'm scrolling and I see a sugar taco post and I was following them because I had just become vegan and I, I knew that they were a vegan restaurant in LA. This is all I knew. I just knew that they were vegan and that the owner was Jade Nicole, who was on the hills, who dated Brody Jenner. And I knew that there was, there were several women owners. I knew some, but I didn't know all of them. And that was the extent of what I knew about Sugar Taco. And something just clicked, intuition, whatever you want to call it. And I DM'd Sugar Taco and I said, I love what you're doing. I love that this is women owned. I love that you have a charity component. If you're ever looking to expand or if you're ever looking for an investor, please let me know because I would love to be a part of it. And I got a message response in minutes from Jade. And she was like, this is perfect timing because we are just closing out our final round for investors for our second location. And this is before the Sherman Oaks location opened. So if you don't know, we have one on Melrose close to La Brea in Los Angeles. And then the second location, which opened early this year in February, it's on Ventura Boulevard, right in Sherman Oaks. And we are in process of opening our third location now in Long Beach. It was going to be Laguna Beach and we're still looking for an OC location, which is proven quite difficult to find. If you, if anyone has any leads, let me know. But we did love a place that we found, but just there were permitting issues with it that we didn't move forward, but we did move forward with a Long Beach location. So we will be coming there soon. And to you all over, if you're in a city and you think you could use a sugar taco there, please let us know because we want to grow this hopefully globally. Anyway, yeah. So I, I got involved with that and I always give Sheena some credit for this as well, because one of the owners is also Jessica Hall, who's her sister is Stacy, the bartender from the Hills, who is Sheena's good friend. And Sheena's also friends with Jessica. So when I was talking to Jade, I was like, oh, and by the way, you know, I know Jessica Hall is an investor. She's good friends with my best friend, Sheena, in case you need references. So Jessica actually reached out to Sheena and she's like, hey, this girl, Jamie, wants to invest. Is she someone we would want to bring on board? Can you give me any information? And Sheena was like, yeah, she's she's one of the best people I've ever met. She would be great. She's vegan. She's into animal rights. She's just like all you girls. She'd be perfect. So I always make sure to thank her for that. And in fact, Vanderpump Rules filmed a scene this season at Sugar Taco, which I can only assume now got cut. <laughs> and it's, I'm sad because I'm, I really went out of my way to thank her in that episode. I was miked. We were at Sugar Taco. I thanked her for what I just told you, but it got cut. They're always cutting the good stuff in my opinion. No, not always, but there were a couple scenes that I had done this season that I kind of wish stayed in. Another one was with Charlie because I'm actually Charlie's landlord <laughs> in a in building in West Hollywood. So it was when she was moving in, we were doing a walkthrough and she was just asking the silliest questions <laughs> that I thought would have made really good TV. Like it was her first real apartment. And so she was just like, can I put furniture in front of the air conditioner? I've never had an air conditioner before, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, 
part endearing because it's like, oh my God, this is her first apartment. She's never, she actually never lived somewhere with air conditioner before. Like, but also it's almost like silly because it's like, yes, Charlie, you can put furniture in front of the air conditioner. But it was just like things like that, which I really love Charlie. And I, I kind of wish that they left that in, but oh well, editing choices can't control them. Where was I going with this? Oh yes. So Sheena put in a good word for me because they don't, they don't bring in outsiders. So because of that, they trusted me and they brought me in and I'm so thankful that they did. And to wrap this story up, Alicia Silverstone is also a co-owner of Sugar Taco. So technically she's my business partner and full circle, right? Not only is she amazing, but all of the women involved in Sugar Taco are amazing. It's just one exceptional woman after the next, after the next. And I do plan to have a good chunk of them on here. I'll have all of them on here. Whoever wants to do it, you know, I would love to have them on because they all have interesting stories individually, as well as the inception of Sugar Taco, which started with Jade Nicole and uh, her friend, Brittany Littleton. They're the two founders. And when they were starting this, they made it a point that they wanted to have women investors. They had several male friends who were going to back the entire thing for them because they just trusted Jade. She was very accomplished and very experienced in that realm. She opened Toka Madeira. She was involved in Takaya Organica. I don't know if you guys know her history. She's not just a Playboy Playmate. Like she was very, very accomplished and experienced. So when she went out on her own to do this, she had people throwing money at her for the investment and she was about to do it. And then all of a sudden she said, no, I want to provide an opportunity for women to be in business. And I want to teach them that they can do this too. No one ever asks women and her whole story, which kind of don't want to tell the whole thing because she's going to be on here. But when, you know, she was dating, as you know, Brody Jenner, and she tells a story of that, you know, someone had come to her and said, we would love your boyfriend to invest in this nightclub. And she said, wait, why are you asking him, but not me? And she ended up investing more than any of them did. But she just realized, you know, a lot of times women aren't asked. They're not included. And she wanted to make sure that she did that. And I love her for that. She's such a badass. Like when we were looking at the Laguna Beach location, the broker for the seller, he was like, you don't need to do a full renovation and, and you don't have to wait till open. You, like, you can open now and just, you know, fix it as you go along. And what I love about her is she she turned to him and she goes, we don't fuck around. We're going to get this perfect before we open. <laughs> and I just love that about her. So, you know, and she works around the clock. She has no social life, but she's doing what she loves. This is what she wants to be doing. So good for her. People who think they want to get into the restaurant business, it's not an easy business. And if you're not willing to work around the clock or work with people who do that, I attribute that to our success is, is how hard of a worker she and Brittany are. And we all, the rest of us, we contribute in the ways that we can, you know, whether it's through social media or talking about it on a podcast or whatever, but their work does not go unnoticed. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. And I'm honored to be a part of, of such an amazing group of women. So I can't wait to get some of them on here to discuss with you. Okay. I think we have one more question. This is going much longer than I anticipated. Okay. Final question is from Natalie and she is in Australia. Hi, Jamie. It's Natalie from Adelaide, Australia. First episode down and I'm already loving the podcast. It's such an addiction already. Um, my question is for you. How would your 15-year-old self react to how your life is now? Bye. 
Thank you for the question, Natalie. Okay. If I can transport my mental state back to when I was 15, first of all, I never want to do that. It was like one of the worst years of my life. Very, very hard. I think that's a hard age for a lot of people. I was living in New Jersey. I never would have guessed I would be living in California or doing what I'm doing now. But I like that about life. You know, I I like that it wasn't, none of it was planned out. I did have one day several months ago, sometimes like in LA, I have these like surreal moments where I'm looking at it from that 15 year old self living in New Jersey. I see it through her eyes and I'm just like, what is my life right now? And I want to tell you about this just one particular day that I'm talking about. And in no means am I name dropping whatsoever. I, I'm sure you'll know who some of these people are, but I don't consider this name dropping. It's just kind of context. So forgive me if it comes off that way. I don't mean it that way at all. But I was on my way to Action Park Media, which is where we used to record shenanigans. And it's right on Robertson. And if you're familiar with LA and Robertson, that's also where Sir is and Pump is on the corner of Robertson and Santa Monica. So the Action Park Media Studios is a little bit south of that. So I'd parked my car and I was early. So I decided to walk to go get a coffee at Blue Bottle. And in line, I see Justin Bieber and Haley. Is she Haley Bieber or is she Haley Baldwin? I heard they're getting a divorce. I don't know, but I saw her and him. I was like, okay. And like, I don't, I'm not the type to like get like starstruck over those type. Like I'll fangirl out over Mikey Way all day, <laughs> but not over like, I don't know, not that type. I, I don't know how to explain it, but anyway, it doesn't face me, but it was just weird. I'm just like, okay, it's, this is LA. So now I have my coffee and I'm walking back towards the studio and I'm passing the real estate office where Josh Altman is. And you know, he, he is on million dollar listing and I actually have an ex who works in that office with them as well. And so I'm walking and of course <laughs> I bump into a film crew with my ex there and I can only assume they were filming Million Dollar Listening. And I'm like, okay, it's LA. I keep walking. After I say hello, keep walking. And I walk into Action Park Media, which is owned by Kevin Connolly, E, from Entourage. And he's sitting there. I think it was like Kevin Dillon and the creator of Entourage. I think his his name is Doug Elman or something like that. I'm like, okay. I'm still like, okay, it's it's just LA. (laughs) So I go into the actual studio, sit down. And our guest that day is Perez Hilton. So I'm now preparing to interview Perez Hilton. And I just sat there and I was like, what is my life? No, that 15-year-old girl in New Jersey never would have thought that that day could have happened. And not that that day is anything that I think anyone needs to aspire to, but I'm aware of the absurdity of it all, if that makes sense. And just how it's a life that I never would have I didn't aspire for it, but like one that I wouldn't have imagined, but that's not even like a day that's a special day or anything. I don't know. That was just a day in the life of being in LA, but there's been so many more meaningful days that again, that 15 year old, I don't think could have ever dreamed or imagined. And 
I think it all has to, you know, it ties in with what I'm saying, just going after what interests you, but also where you feel you can be of the most service and to be of service without any expectation in return. And the things that actually come to you and the friendships that you make, it's magical. It really is. And you don't give to get these things, but just, you know, being of service and being appreciative, the world just opens up to you. So that would be my advice if anyone is asking me for advice on how to be happier or how to succeed or whatever it may be. Stop looking inward and stop looking externally and just be present. Let the universe show you what's, you know, what can unfold for you and take those opportunities. Stay humble and stay grateful. And uh, I think you'll be good. I think you'll be set. If you have any other questions with anything that we spoke about today, I don't claim to be an expert, but I am very, very happy. And I think that that is, to me, that's my definition of success is I'm, I'm fulfilled finally. And it took so long to get here. So here we are. And now I'm talking with all of you, which is the greatest thing ever is to have this connection with you again. I've missed it. So I think we're going to wrap up episode two. Everyone, I hope you have an amazing Christmas, if that's what you celebrate. I hope you had an amazing Hanukkah, if that's what you celebrate. Happy holidays to everybody. Next time I will be back, it will be after Christmas. So tell me what you're doing. Tell me the greatest part of your holiday. And uh, I will come back next week and recap all of mine as well. Thank you for being here. And I will talk to you later. Breathe in for luck, breathe in so deep, this air is blessed, you share with me, this night is wild, so calm and dull, these hearts they race from self-control, your legs are smooth as they graze mine, we're doing Doing nothing at all Well, so why did you kiss my kill me? So won't you kill me?
podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.